Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi there, and thanks for tuning into the Pauses Podcast. If you'd like to see more of my content, you can find me on YouTube at the Positive Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Positivity94. And what I'm going to do is put my landing page link in my bio. So if you press this link, you'll get access to all of my content in one place. So if you also have any questions, want to provide any feedback for the podcast, please email me at the positivity podcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get into this episode and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Positive Podcast. In this episode, I'm reunited with my religious studies teacher, Andrew Widdison. In this podcast, talk about mental health, mindset, faith, Christianity, anxiety, and how Andrew got into what he does. Now, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it. Positivity, 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 in. All right, Andrew, it's uh, a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. Yes, and it's really good to see you as well. Yeah. After all these years. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's, um, yeah, it's, I'm really, really grateful to have you on the, on the podcast. And, you know, you're my ex-RE like teacher from uh, my school. And, um, you know, you he's a really great teacher and, you know, I really enjoyed your lessons. And it's, uh, you know, great to reconnect with you. And... Um, I just kind of thought I'd start off by, you know, you've, we're going to talk, you might want to talk about like, uh, like success and fulfillment and, um, you know, life and your experiences. And um, you're also, you know, an author of a book that you've recently written as well. So I just thought we kind of start off with, you know, like these, like success and fulfillment as well. Yeah. 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 Um, 
so it is interesting that when you, you know, I mean, I've been teaching in this school 15 years. And um, so I've, I've seen all the whole vista really of, of experience and um, progress and attainment really. And I think th there are people that stand out over that period of time. And it's not necessarily for the results that they get, it's for the attitude that they demonstrate. And um, and I'm not saying this because we're doing this podcast, no. a bit of a, a bit of a suck up session, um, but it was genuine. And when I talk about pupils who need to have something to aspire to, I talk about people like yourself who were predicted a certain grade and got the right attitude and the right approach and listened and applied. Um, and come out with three grades higher than what the predicted grade was. Um, and, you know, there, there was a few over the years that I really stand out to me. And um, I see that as, you know, a real foundation, foundation to success. Um, and where, where you have totally the opposite, where people drift, they don't really know what they're going to do. And even, you know, having a... Uh, opportunity to um, try some things out and, and at least have a go. Um, I applaud that sort of mentality. You know, I, I'm not quite so sure if, if young people at 16 years of age really know what they want to achieve in life. Um, mm. I, you know, they, they check the exams and they look at where they want to go A-levels and possibly university. But ultimately, I mean, I, I look at my life and I wasn't fully sure where I, I wanted to go at that stage. Yeah, we're pushing them forward to make all of these decisions. But it's, it's the thing that's really stuck out to me over the years is, is that mentality of, um, well, I'm gonna have a go at something and I'm gonna apply myself. And this might not be my ultimate destiny, um, but at least I'm gonna give it a shot and, you know, another string to my bow, etc. So I was really sort of intrigued when when I saw what you was doing with the class <laughs> and, and things like that, because to me, that was just an extension of what I'd seen in the classroom and seen your mentality around school, going from probably a more of a difficult start um, in the earlier part of school life to coming out with, with, with results. I mean, I can only talk from what I taught with regards to RE, and uh, I am quite chuffed that, you know, you were successful um with that so uh yeah yeah no so sorry no i was gonna say yeah i mean like i i really you know i feel you know i i when i was in your lessons like i really felt like you know you cared and you know i just felt like you had that that good rapport with with the pupils and when i was there i just really liked and i was interested in that topic and i think you know you just kind of you was able to have that that space for people to to effectively learn, you know, and you was open, and you know I'm really grateful for that. And yeah, my focus wasn't really there until like the last couple of years in school. And you know, I just really like your your teaching and you know how you are as a person. And then uh, I think it's great, and you know I'm grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, I've been thinking about success quite a lot recently again because of some things that I'm I'm involved with. Um, prior to teaching, I was, um, as you know, a, a church minister. So um, I went through um, training and uh, development in uh, and leading a church. And uh, my, I remember my mentor years ago um, giving me possibly one of the top two pieces of advice that I've ever been given. 
Um, and he, he gave me this advice on the back of um, me being incredibly driven. And when I'm saying driven, I mean, that had a knock-on effect on both my, uh, my home life with regards to the expectations that I was putting on my wife in our marriage and the time that she was giving to the things that we was involved with. Um, but on volunteers in the church and members of the church, I look back now and I think, wow, did I really put those expectations on people with regards to the time that, that they were giving voluntarily? Um, the, the fuel behind it was this, this, this feeling of being driven to succeed. You know, you would go to leaders meetings and leaders conferences. And in those days, the big question was, um, so how many you've got, how many did you get on the Sunday morning? And, uh, uh, you know, what's this like in the church? And it was all, all the questions were driven to success and you could feel the pressure to perform and you could feel the pressure to um, come up with the goods so that your church looked great and you look great. And um, I remember one guy saying to me once, quite a senior guy within the denomination that I was a part of, and he said, Andrew, he says, if it's not worked out in two years, he says, then just jack it in. And so in my mind, I'm going, that's 24 months away. How are we going to do that? And so I, I had that pressure. And so you then... You try schemes, you try the latest idea, you jump on this bandwagon and that bandwagon and put all of these expectations and demands in front of people because you're trying to meet the demands of other people that think that your success is linked into whatever. Um, so I was living with this. And I, to be honest with you, I looked, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, um, I must have been an absolute nightmare to be around um, because whilst, it affects your personality, you know, you, you live, breathe and sleep this stuff. Um, and it's totally the opposite of what you should be doing, to be honest with you. It's not, it's not God, for me, it wasn't godly character. Mm. And, uh, so I remember sitting down with my mentor. My mentor was in his 70s and he had, he, he led churches of two, three thousand. He, he'd, he'd lived it, he got the t-shirt, he, he knew where it was at. And I used to go, one of those people that you go and sit for half an hour, uh, and you just get wisdom. You just listen. It's just wisdom, 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 wisdom. And you come away thinking, that was just, that was a breath of fresh air. That's, he's not said um, much for very long, but what he said, I will chew on that for, for months. And, and so we were talking about all of this. And he said to me, um, listen, he says, this, this is what I need to say to you. You've not been called to be successful you've been called to be fulfilled. Mm. Success is determined by so many things. Some of those are totally out of your hands. Um, but fulfillment is an internal thing with you. And he says, you've got to come to that internal place that you feel fulfilled in what you are doing and you leave the rest in, in our situation being, being Christians, it was, you leave the rest in God's hands. Um, and, uh, it was like he got one of those big wheels and just turned the pressure on And I just sat there going, there's <laughs> <laughs> all this pressure just released from me. And uh, I remember uh, I had to do a lot of internalizing about how it, in, in practice that actually worked. But for somebody senior like that and somebody that I trusted and respected to come to me and, and, um, and say that literally liberated my thinking 
that actually no. So, I mean, we're in the process now of, of planting a church again and um, doing it very, very differently. And, and I have to say, you know, 15, 16 years on, I feel zero pressure to perform. I don't feel anything negative about um, being driven to succeed. Um, we're just faithfully doing what we believe we should be doing. And most of that is building a, a sense of community, a sense of family, reaching out to people who are marginalized um, and those who are lonely, those who are hurting, those who are abused, and, and a load of people who haven't got the major, major issues. And we're just mm. building all of that into a family. But in the whole process, even though at times it can be busy, I don't feel driven at all. I don't feel that I can go to a leaders meeting and the one question is going to be, how many did you get on Sunday? How many turned up on um, Wednesday night on Zoom? So of course everything's done on Zoom. And um, I don't, I don't, one, I don't hear those questions anymore. And secondly, I don't feel that somebody's going to ask me that question or that I need to, to, to perform with that. And, and that is just so liberating. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really powerful, you know, what you mentioned, and like you said, with, uh, you know, the church and like the pressures that come with that, um, you know, like you said, many years ago, and, you know, even even now in society, and, you know, in how we go into the world and how we live, and like you said, there's all this, um, like, you know, like you said, you came, you was all, you stressed out, and you had all these expectations on you, and everything like that, and all these questions, and you know, you know, all these success results to me. And like you said, you know, he spoke, spoke to that guy and he, he said, you know, that fulfillment, you know, that fulfillment, that inner fulfillment of, you know, why you're doing it is is the main, should be the main kind of driving force, isn't it? And that, that yeah. you know, alleviates the pressure. And I think that's where people get it mixed up. They get it mixed around. And then, but, you know, it's like you get lots of people saying to you, you know, this not just in the church but like in life you know this is you know what are you going to be what you're going to do university college yeah. and like you said like 16 years old like 15 years old you know very small percentage of people know what they actually want to do before they even go out yeah and we started it from an early age and so when we look at the amount of mental health issues that we've got in society I think this is a big, big factor. I mean, I, I'm at the moment dealing with year 11s who've been told no exams this year. Um, and whilst on the one hand, it's a little bit of a gift that's been given by the government because all they've got to produce is, is so many assessed pieces of work. And maybe they don't on, on the back of that feel the stress that previous year groups have. Um, there is still that expectation that they have to perform which is fair enough because, you know, you've got to prove what you've, you've learned and, and your skills and your abilities. But if there's a normal year with GCSEs, we'd be feeling increasing um, pressure, both as staff and also um, with regards to the pupils. And so even, at, you know, the testing of pupils at an early age feeds this mentality of you've got to succeed, you've got to succeed, you've got to succeed. And so it's all piled on all the way through their teenage life. I remember saying to my two, you know, I, I'm, I'm not bothered if you don't get your A stars and your A's and your B's. I will be proud of you if you do the best that, excuse me, the mm -hmm. best you possibly can be. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to push you and I'm not going to drive you to get those higher levels if it's mm -hmm. going to cause you the stress 
um, and the anxiety that, mm. that, that it can do. And so society's fashioning from an early age through testing and through the school system that you've got to perform and you've got to succeed. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think there's something wrong in that that is just really affecting people's mental health and is affecting society. And I'll just, this is a good link into this. So, so the book that I wrote, um, mm. that released like end of, end of November, uh, called Unwritten. Um, so it, it basically tells the story of, of um, in the main tells the story of, of our uh, journey through IVF and, and then into um, adoption. Mm. Uh, because I felt for, um, well, felt for 15 years that I should write this book um, mm. and spent most of lockdown writing it, putting it together. But mm. the reason I'm mentioning it is because when you're looking at dr driven um, to succeed, there are things in that book that really are very um, open and honest about what I was going through at the time of the IVF cycles mm. um, that I'm not proud of. Um, mm. I mean, really, I'm not proud of. And it's because of this drivenness to to perform and to 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 do what I was being expected to do and I remember I think it was the the first IVF cycle um we'd been given a um a legacy of 86,000 pounds to the church uh by the secretary who had who had passed away and um so we decided that we would we'd revamp the building mm. Because um, it was very chintzy, very pink, very, very outdated, and so we decided we spend about forty grand of this money on revamping the building. Some of it we did ourselves. So um, Lynn had just been um, implanted, and and I remember the week of her implant, I spent something like sixty-five hours in the church building doing the decorating and and, and the revamping. She's at home, um, laid on her back worrying as to whether she was going to be pregnant or not feeling that emotional turmoil and I'm, I'm in the church building painting and setting things up the second IVF that failed um I'd been asked to go and do some seminars at um, um big denominational conference in Wales and um what I would have done now is said no sorry my wife's in a mess I can't come driven this again pushing me forward great opportunity gonna you know it's a leaders conference gonna go and um do these two seminars on revamping church and making it a very 21st century expression that's attractive to people couldn't miss that opportunity i remember the day before it being in absolute turmoil because i thought she was having a nervous breakdown mm. genuinely thought she was losing it she was so distraught and she gets sent to me no go you know I'll be fine. And then there was tears and it's awful to think about now. And I went to my absolute shame. I went to Wales and I did these seminars and I stayed for the whole week. And she was completely isolated on her own. And, um, and that's shocking. It's shocking that you can be in the system and you can now allow yourself to be so mentally um, affected and driven by the desire to succeed that your relationships get, get screwed like that and um, to me that's not integrity so in the whole process of integrity i i thought i lost some there so i'm stood in front of six seven eight hundred people doing a seminar and my wife's in a mess at home 
that's not integrity my the integrity should have been you're at home with your wife let let somebody else do that session and um and but you learn you know it's, it's it, with hindsight's a great thing and um hopefully through those experiences um both the wisdom that's spoke, spoken to you and the, mm. the way that we think that through and process it we hopefully come to a place where we we don't do that again My, yeah always been to younger leaders that, that I'm in, in touch with and, and I talk with, you know, please listen to wisdom. Um, you know, don't don't throw wisdom to one side because I wish I'd listened to these guys who were, were older than me and, and more experienced than me because it would have saved me a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's definitely like a driving force, isn't it? You know, that that uh that that will and drive to succeed and i think you know it's how you apply that isn't it and how you balance that out i think it's great that people you know want to succeed but then you know like don't overlook you know your life and you know like you said your, your family free you know these things in between yeah because some people like as you said it's almost like they've got the blinkers on and just get into that that, that tunnel driven drive yeah. and it's like hardwired isn't it like as you said from an early age and from what you was experiencing, you know, you had kind of probably kind of had the blinkers on, you know, you're just so focused and driven. And yeah. a lot of that probably as well, it, when you are part of something like that or you're part of corporations or organizations, it's, you've got to please the people above, haven't you? There's, there's like a, you know, a system, you you know, you don't want to let people down. There's so many things that interconnect with it. Yeah. And people, you know, kind of, be blind to it and, and it can it can cost i mean you're still you know you're still with your partner and everything and that's great and some people it can go the other way and i think like as you mentioned it's uh it's kind of with with pupils as well and, and, and testing and grades and like it is a system but you know as you mentioned to your kids you know just do the best that you can and it's okay if you don't get an a star or whatever and i think so many people and kids. I mean, I remember when I did my exams at, at the school, yeah. and I remember looking at some people's feet, and their feet for the pat for the for the hour and a half or an hour was like that on the floor. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, that that can't be right. No. My my feet were on the ground, but I was like, yeah, you see it. I walked down 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 the roads when we used to be able to invigilate, and the stress that pupils are feeling. It's like it's like a scene from Riverdance. You know, you expect <laughs> you expect Michael Flatley to come running across the, the front of the hall, um, but yeah, that's that's not good. Um, and the other thing is how, you know, we measure success predominantly in society, but uh, very often by this, by money and material things. Um, but you know, I mean, is success all about that? You know, I, I think um, some would say oh, I'm being really lame here, you know, because actually I want to succeed and I want the big car and I want the big house and I want the, the flashy job. But, you know, I, I, I've come across people over the years and they've had all of that. And the kids have been doing drugs. Um, they've been pregnant before 
than mm. he's supposed to. Um, they've left home at an early age and ended up becoming homeless. I mean, you, the whole catalogue of things that you can think of, those things happened and they've had absolutely everything that they could think of because of their successful family that they've been a part of. And then you can look at others that you wouldn't call successful, but they are the most together, cohesive, loving, committed, stable, normal family that you could wish to be a part of. Well, you know, what success? Mm. Well, it depends how you want to measure and how you want to judge your success. Um, and and I think my, cha- my, my mind is... Um, has always been more towards the first you know i look at if i if i take if i take my teaching you know what what to me makes me a successful teacher yeah i like to have the grades i still have the record of leading a year group that got the best grade that chill ever ever had in its history so i'll wear that badge with pride um but but is that that's not really the be all and end all for me success for me is that I have a cohort that leave in year 11 that are well-rounded, polite, tolerant, um, supportive, um, committed to each other, cohesive, um, good members of society. I remember the first year group that I had, um, I took over from Danny Williams. Do you remember? Yeah. 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 Um, So I learned a few things from him and, um, so they said, they said in the interview for the head of year, um, give us your vision. What's your vision for the year group? And I said, I want to replicate with a whole cohort what I did with my tutor group. I've only ever had one tutor group because I took them through for five years and then moved on to head of year. Um, and that tutor group was like a family. Um, there was no clickiness. Any friction was dealt with quickly and maturely. Um, we had fun together, played hard, um, and just a great bunch of young people that you're so proud to see where they, where they got to. The, the level of um, cohesion that there was with, with that group. Sometimes you get a very fractured, uh, factious year group, um, and you're dealing with the fallout of that all of the time. It wasn't like that with that teacher group. And, and I said, I want to replicate as much as possible with a whole car, because I believe it's possible. I, I had that very clear vision. I believe it's possible to do that. Um, and I want to prove that it can be done. I remember we got to um, the end of year 10 with them. And uh, one of my tutor team, remember Dan Tremberth? Was he there when you was there? Yes, yeah. So Dan was moving on to, um, he was moving abroad and he came up to me uh, I was one of the last people that he said goodbye to and he, he had tears in his eyes and he says, he says, what, what was the vision you put out four years ago? And I was a bit, <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Dan. <laughs> so he says, you know what you said about your vision for the year group? I went, oh yeah. And he, and he threw his arms around me. He says, we've done it. We've done it. You've achieved what, you set out to achieve and and sure they got the best results that we we've ever had in the school but i looked at them and i was more proud successfully of the people that they become and mm. they were together as a group of, of, of young people so you know some would say oh well no the success is in the results 
but but the way I'm wired is the success is um, is who they're becoming, mm. um, and that I think generated more fulfilment with me mm. than actual results. Mm. And so I think it's relative. I think it's relative to what you want to achieve and the sort of person that you are. I mean, I'm pastoral, always have been, um, and yet some people are very um, results driven. Um, mm. so they will get more of a buzz out of that level of success. But for me, it's been it's been about who people are becoming. Because mm. that that to be honest with you, that's the that's the crux of the Christian message. It's not. It's not what you do; it, it's who you are, mm. who you are becoming, and uh, so that fits quite well with me. Yeah, no, I, I I love that, and I think that that's really powerful, isn't it? And I think, like as you said, you know, seeing people develop and seeing how who they're kind of you know molding into and developing and learning and growing, you know, it, it's so rewarding to see that, and you know, it being in that role in place just to to play that part you know to help those people to do that and you know you said like fulfillment success you know it's different for each person isn't it but i think like you know you you know people who've had all you know certain flashy stuff and they're not happy and they've had certain things happen and i think like you said as well like you've got to be happy in what you're doing and there's there's a deeper underlying message to what you want as success and if you're attaching that to certain things and that's it, then it's not going to really last. You know, there's got to be a deep driving force. And like, I want to do well in life and stuff like that. And I want to be, you know, successful, but it's not an attachment to say an item or something like that. It's, as you said, it's got to have that deeper driving force. You wanted to help your year group and to help students and people to progress and to be okay. And I think, as you mentioned with, you know, friction and, like school can be difficult and you know you're not always going to get on with people so to be able to you know to put good morals in place where students can take that forward into life you know it's so important isn't it and yeah. you know we we've had we had several chats where you know some people do and some people don't and um there, there's a lot of kind of contrib contributing factors that i think you know affect pupils so i mean having like you know the right teacher the right kind of role model they can look up to yeah. um you know like I, I was happy that you know we could have chats when I was at school and stuff like that and for some kids they don't have that you know and it really does like break the ice yeah yeah, yeah I think if you um if you can find that member of staff or several members of the staff that you really feel that they believe in you um that makes a massive difference and you're not going to, they would, they, every member of staff would say that they do. But in reality, you know, we all know that, mm. not sure if that actually works in reality, because people do have their, their ideas about certain pupils and, you know, they don't necessarily, mm. I'm not talking about the school I'm in, by the way. Yeah. Anybody no. else watch this? No, <laughs> no, 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 of course. Um, but but you just know that that does happen. Um, but the difference I always see with pupils is that when they make that connection with a member of staff, with a teacher, um, that they that they trust and that they they build up that respect for, makes a massive massive difference. Um, and I think I think one of the big things about that year group, the, the first year group that I had, 
was that they they knew, and I, this is going to sound very twee uh, and almost a bit, a bit cliche, um, but they they knew that I would walk over hot coals for them. They knew that I would. I, I used to say to them, "Look, I take bullets for you lot. I take verbal bullets. I, I stand in front of staff that are wanting to fire stuff in your direction because I can see who you can become. I can see the potential in you." I also take into account some of the struggles that you're having um, and, and I'm prepared to, to give grace there um, as a down posit for where a down payment for where you're going to you're going to get to. And I think, you know, over time when when um, a group of, of pupils, a group of young people I move out, outside the school because I deal with young people as well uh, outside of the school context. You know, why why do, you know, a group of five, six, seven lads go and have a, a pint with a 54 year old down at a pub um, and they invite me to go um, on a regular basis and they just want to sit and chat? I think it's because that they they sense that level of belief that somebody has in them and maybe some of them haven't got the father figures and the role role models that they really want and maybe they they see something in you that um really helps them with that and uh, in, in a supportive way um but um makes makes such a difference um to mm -hmm. have those people around you and I, I always encourage um especially younger teachers that come through they they asked me to do a pastoral session once for nqt's newly qualified teachers get them in the conference room and do a session on you know on pastoral and the first thing i said to them was listen this is not going to be textbook this is not going to be what they'll teach you in university i'm going to teach you how to do pastoral the witherson way and so some of it's going to be very unconventional but i know it works because it's worked with a tutor group it's worked with a whole year group and um, you can see some of the responses to some things I would say, like, oh, he's, what is he saying here? But, um, you know, I, um, you know, I, I know it works. Um, I, 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 with that, I laughed with that previous year group. I cried with that previous year group. We had to deal with a significant tragedy of a, a young lad who took his life um, just as they were doing their exams. And that was that was very hard um, to have to deal with. But because you'd have four years of building this into them. Um, you know, they, they did well and mm. still produced the best results that the school have ever had. <laughs> tragedy. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, that's great. To me, that, to me, that's the focus. You know, mm. you, can, you can do all the other success stuff. But I, I think, it, and I think this is a desperate need in society. There needs to be a, a coming back to looking at what it is to be a good person, what it mm. is to be, you know, to be a well-rounded uh, person who commands respect and, and lives as a good citizen and it gets on with people and, you know, all that, mm. we, we, which we've, we've lost because of the, the drive in society to be the best that, that you can be. And, um, you know, um, I, I yeah. know where, it, where it's at, you know, the, 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 the title of the book that I keep coming back to this, don't I? It's um, <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep plugging it. <laughs> <laughs> we got a box of 100 in sat gathering dust. Um, um, it's unwritten. So, so and, and when we were going through the idea, um, the thing that really, really helped us was Natasha Bennyfield's song, 
the rest is still unwritten. That was coming on the radio all the time. And because um, it talks about um, um, looking at the blank page before you. Um, and uh, the final sentence in the song is the rest is still unwritten. And we just felt that irrespective of what we were going through, um, that there was, the story wasn't over. Mm. Um, that there was more to write in our lives, irrespective of what the results of the IVF were and what the doctors had said and all that sort of stuff. And even when we adopted and went through that whole process, there was, there was still a journey to undertake. And so you really, the, the crux of the book, while it, it talks about the difficulties of IVF and um, the joys of adoption, the contrast is so, so different between, and I'm just saying that because I wrote it, but I've had feedback from people who said it literally was like that. One minute you're at a high, and then the next minute you're absolutely rock bottom. And I said, well, great, that's come across because that is literally the journey you go on with infertility yeah. treatment. Um, but um, in, in that whole process um, of, of learning um, both how, sorry, let me say it again. The adoption and IVF really form a framework in which to, to talk about the struggles and the difficulties of life. Um, the big part of the book as well, and this is helpful for anybody, not just people who have been through, through yeah. and, and they're looking at to, uh, adopting. The bigger, the bigger thing here is some of the lessons that we learned in the process. The lessons that we learned, um, the journey that we went on, both within ourselves and within our interactions with other people, um, and with each other as well. And so there's, it's a book really that will help anybody who's really been through a really difficult time or knows people that are going through a really difficult time because hopefully it will help people to, to empathize. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, how to support, how to support yourself about, you know, how to deal with your emotions. Because mm. I, I found in the whole um, process, m men very often, are that you know, they end up supporting their wives. And so what we do is we, we, we bury our feelings, we bury our emotions because I've got to be there for my partner. And then something else happens and she's, she's in a mess. So I'm feeling it still, but I'll bury that as well. And then you go through a second phase of IVF and that fails. She's in turmoil. I bury my feelings. The whole feeling of loss that you feel, even though, you know, there was no baby growth, you still feel that sense of loss and disappointment you bury it and you go through three three um sessions of ivf and all you've done all the way through is support the other person and you as the guy you mm. think, where are my emotions where you know who actually am i because you've buried it so deep you don't actually know how to dig it out again and i remember i went through probably a two-year period where i can't actually remember laughing my, the joy had just gone from me and I'm totally the opposite. I like to have, I love banter. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, and it, I thrive on it. God, <laughs> it, it just affected my personality. So I deal with things like that. You know, what, what do you do when your joy has gone? What do you do when you've buried your emotion so much because you have supported the other person so much? How do you do some, 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 um, how do you get some healing in, in that whole process and some release so that mm. we don't completely blow up? Um, we had to deal with very, very well-meaning people 
Mm. They didn't have a clue. And they ended up saying, even family members, they didn't have a clue. They were, they were so, so unhelpful. Um, mm. You know, I remember my wife talking to my dad about how she was feeling and she was distraught. She was crying on the phone. <laughs> and she responded to us, well, that's just life, isn't it? These things happen. They think, oh. Oh. Normally he is, he's totally the opposite, but somehow in that situation, he'd said the wrong thing. And um, we, um, so we, we had to learn how to deal with with people you know that that want to say the right thing but they don't say the right thing mm. um because they really don't know what to say because you could unless you yeah. unless you walked in somebody's shoes you don't know do you no that's that's it and i think like you know that kind of process and that journey you know you mentioned that kind of like diagram like you know is up and down and that's kind of like, you know, how life is, isn't it? You know, like it is, you know, like a bit like that at times. And it's never one straight road is, you know, when you come back to success. Yeah. Excuse me. People just think it's, you know, start here and then it's an uphill yeah. trajectory. And it's like, you know, there's all these pitfalls in between. Something happens, you know, and I think, you know, going through that process, you know, there's, you're going to encounter all that in between. And, you know, people sometimes like empathy they don't really know what empathy is or they just don't know how to respond or don't know because they're not being in there or they can't you know take a different view from it and they just might say something that is negative or critical but they don't mean it to be negative or critical it's just whatever comes to them and i think that's it's difficult isn't it you know to push through that um and to find a way out and through that but i think like you know your book you know I'll definitely have to read it. it. It sounds, you know, that there's a lot of wisdom in there. And I think it's great how you've been able to kind of capsulate that in, into the book and to, you know, to put your experience into it. You know, to provide, you know, because you're always providing value to other people. Yeah. And, and, and they can relate to parts of it, especially if they've been through that. Yeah. Um, or, or difficult times in their life. There's, there's all these kind of uh, like silver linings from these experiences isn't it yeah the principles are transferable to whatever difficulties you find in life so i use this i use the um story of mary and joseph um and you know imagine 12 year old young woman who has just come to childbearing age uh and um gets it announced that she's pregnant she's betrothed to joseph she thought she'd got her life all sewn up and suddenly this, this announcement, you know, that, uh, that she's pregnant and she's never slept with a guy. Um, and then you've got Joseph who's, you know, probably well into his twenties, culturally, that was the, the norm. Um, and he got it all together. He'd saved up, he was doing the house up and he was ready a year later to welcome Mary into, into the home. And suddenly, oh, by the way, Mary's pregnant. She comes back from visiting the cousin and she's got the bump there. And um, so, so I, I use this phrase, but, you know, I used a bit, a bit of license here to talk about they're in this situation and both of them have this phrase going through their mind, but, but, but it, it wasn't meant to be like this. And we can have in life so many times and, and things come across our path where we sit there and go, but it wasn't meant to be like this. And I talk about when, we sat on the edge of the bed waiting for the consultant to come, having had the laparoscopy to check the um, fallopian tubes to see whether they were blocked and then being told that they were not just blocked, they were deformed and probably have been since birth. 
and therefore you can't have children naturally. And you, that phrase was, it comes to you, but, but it, it wasn't meant to be like this. We should have now had those tubes unblocked. We should be able to go and actually create a baby but we've been told, no, the only way you're going to get it is through IVF now, if you're lucky, because there's about a 23% chance at your age. But it, it wasn't meant to be like that. So how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? You know, that, that level of disappointment that, that comes mm. in life. And, um, and, and that's transferable. That's not just about IVF. Um, that, that's a transferable principle, really. Mm. How do you pick yourself up again? Yeah, I've... I think that I think that's really related, relatable to the kind of current situation with COVID. Because I mean, there's so many people who've been unemployed, you know, uh, lost their jobs. So many people where it's just kind of ripped through, you know, society and a lot of jobs. I mean, I spoke to a lot of people who you've been on the podcast who've you know are thriving in this time and their business is doing really well. And there's like a spectrum almost where people are doing really well, and there's people who really aren't doing it really people are doing okay um and it's like you said how do you pick yourself up you know because a lot of people right now think you know it's not not supposed to be like this not supposed to be in a lockdown not supposed to you know xyz yeah so i think a lot of people can can relate to that to that to this you know to the situation um and it's it's how you react um supposedly you know how you react to that and what you do with that yeah. And, and coming to the place as well that you don't necessarily have all the answers. You know, I, to, to this day, I don't know why we were in a position of being infertile. Um, and you get the anger, you get the disappointment, you get the pain that you have to process. But you can't live like that for the rest of your life. You have to come to a, a position where you move on from that and you process it. And you may not have all of the answers. You, you, you might not have them. And I just, you know, I had to work through that. I mean, I went through a crisis of faith. You know, I was, I was a church minister and I was standing there dedicating babies, praying for them on a Sunday morning. My wife's at home in tears because she's just had a failed IVF. And I was like, God, you're having a laugh. It's yeah. like sick, sadistic joke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm having to do this. Coo, coo, coo. God bless the baby. My wife's destroyed. And I'm feeling mm. inside. And um, so, yeah, so I remember saying to the, I preached one Sunday morning and, and when I was going through all this crisis, and I remember saying to, to the church, you know, comes with the asses, I'm not even sure I believe in God anymore. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, about six people get up and walk out. They were so affected. <laughs> <laughs> because of course, you know, you're not allowed to have these crises. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry. And um, God, what's the name now? And um, you, you know, in 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 <sighs> thoughts gone. Train oh, no. they, they were they they you like you said that, and six people walked out. It was a crisis. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it 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 is. But you come through the other side of that. And the conclusion that I came to, yeah, this is where I was going. I feel like I'm in the classroom when I've gone at all sorts of tangents. <laughs> um, is that um, I look back now and I, you know, I'm happy with this. I'm comfortable with this, that I would never, ever, ever have met Thomas and Alicia. They'd never been a part of our lives. 
they'd never have bought the joy and the blessing and the happiness and mm. um, that they'd have not had us and we'd have not had them if we'd have had children naturally and yeah. and and i wouldn't swap that now i would not mm. swap that for one little bit and i think that um in the book i talk about you know the all of this stuff is like a tapestry so if you um so if you turn a, a tapestry around you see all the bits of cotton that have been put together to make the picture on the front and it just looks a mess you wouldn't display the back of a tapestry because it looks a mess it's all intertwined but you turn it round and you see the beautiful picture and i think you know i came to the conclusion that that's life um life is very messy life is very intertwined there's all sorts of strands and bits of string that all come together that when you look at it, you think that's a mess that does not look good but then you turn it over and you stand back and you see the beauty of the picture that's been created and now mm. that, that takes a certain way of thinking and a lot of processing to come to that place um but that certainly is is where i rested that um that that, that that's that's just how life and I'm never going to get, I'm not going to have the answers, you know, um, and, and I process that now and I'm, and I'm cool with that. Mm. That's, that's it. And I think, you know, that, that's a really kind of good way of looking at it. And I think, you know, you've got to come for, for a lot of people, you know, it might be very different, but you know, it, it, you've got to like do that kind of work to kind of like get to that place and that perspective, isn't it? And, that, and it's, it's a perspective, isn't it? Of looking at, things in that way because it's like you know life there's so many life experiences that happen in your life or things might not happen the way you wanted to yeah. but then as you mentioned you know when you flip it around you, you look at kind of how you are and what you're doing or what's come from you know like all these experiences isn't it yeah yeah and i think if if you don't process this you'll go you'll go crazy yeah yeah <laughs> you really will and um you know and uh yeah so you know if anybody's interested in that book then it is on amazon on written mm. uh, andrew widowson or you know um that, some, that, someone that, contact me on facebook I've, I've got a stat load that i'd like to get out yeah of you. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um like where where can people connect to you on like um is, do you have like a facebook page because i'm at, i remember you mentioning like where can people if people are interested in joining um the, the zoom thing that you do for uh the the online or how can people contact you if they want to get yeah. involved in like the church side of things and yeah, like, so where can they people, get you? yeah so church church side um our, our facebook uh page which is waterside uh dot chillwell yeah uh, um and that has a lot of information on that uh if people want to contact me personally mesterwids at gmail.com um can get a hold of me that way um, yeah yeah you know if it's anybody wants to have a chat about any of that then please do you know if you know mm. people that are struggling with infertility or questions around that or just are really going through a, a tough patch in life then um you know one of the things that i've really understood is that we need that one go-to person that one mm. trusted person whoever that is and uh, some people haven't got it you know we, we lost a young lad locally over the weekend for mm similar sort of a uh, similar sort of thing they just struggled in life was too much and 
and and that's it. And and it's such a shame. It's heartbreaking to hear these stories. Yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah, please, please get in touch, and uh, yeah. you know, I'd be happy to support you in any sort of way. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it's been it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, uh, Andrew, and um, it's great to connect with you again. And you know, Next I think time you are in Nottingham, you need, mm. you need to track us down. Yeah, we'll go and we'll go and have one of those watered down pints at the marina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, two percent. I'm sure they take it straight out of the trend. <laughs> out of it. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> No, definitely, definitely. They'll be suing me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, but um, but no, it's, it's great to connect with you. And it's, I really appreciate you talking about, you know, the, the things that we touched base on. And, you know, I think it's great what you're doing. And, you know, I, I wish you all the best with your book. I wish you all the best with, you know, the church side of things. Um, yeah, it's really, really great. And I'll include all your details in the, the bio for people to access as well. Yeah, great. But um, yeah, have a great, have a great day, Andrew. Good. Take, take care. Hi. I just thought I'd uh, make this announcement that I'm looking for someone to sponsor my podcast. If you would like to sponsor my podcast, um, please email me at thepositivitypodcast at gmail.com. And I'm also looking for, you know, people who want to advertise their content on my podcast as well also. Um, You know, we can talk more about it on a Zoom call or, you know, like a WhatsApp call or something. Um, you know, it's the kind of um, deeper side of like, you know, how much it's going to cost and this kind of thing. But I'm looking for people, you know, who have a business or a product or a website or, you know, something that they kind of want to promote. I'm happy to promote that on my podcast and I will do a pre-roll, mid-roll, end-roll. So I'll, you know, talk about what your product is and where people can find it, how much it is and, you know, deals and this kind of thing. So if you have a product or know anyone that has a product that they, you know, want to put out there and they want to gain more traction, please, please, please email me at thepositivitypodcast at gmail.com. Even if it's an app, you know, you have an app that people are creating, um, a website, a pod, you know, or or another podcast, uh, please get in touch and let me know and I'll be happy to uh, look into it and promote it on my show. But uh, yeah. You know where to find me at the podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.